From Relay FM, this is virtual episode number 59. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace. Build it beautiful. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Federico Vatici. Hey, Mike. Hey, Federico. How are you? Good. How are you? It's the the day after Thanksgiving, so <laughs> yeah, all kinda. is quiet here right now. Well, the Americans have left us alone, yep. and it's just you and me yep. manning the Relay FM station. Uh, <laughs> there's no one else. And it's all going to come crashing down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that's just your business, Mike. So, you know, probably not a wise plan. Um, did you eat uh, your turkey yesterday? No, I, we ended up not um, getting not this year. anything. Yeah, we, we kind of fell, let that fall by the wayside a bit this year, unfortunately. Did you mm. you had your dinner right? We'll probably talk about this and connect it, but yeah, yeah, it wasn't really a dinner as much as a party. There was a lot of <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, you saw the picture. It was a lot of people and basically all beer and you know some other beverages. N- not a lot of food, Mike, but it, it was really fun. And um, yeah, I got to I got to share uh, the picture on Twitter. Uh, the, the guy, you know, did. The American teacher that I told you about, he didn't know why uh, there were so many people <laughs> basically drawing circles around my face uh, because, you know, I tweeted uh, worst teaching uh, and he was like, why are people finding you? And I had to explain that like a little joke that goes way back, people trying to find you know me in photos and videos. Well, that, um, didn't that all come from when you went to San Francisco? Yeah, well, you started crazy. Like, yeah, <laughs> you actually started this this whole deal. Uh, so I I needed to explain. I actually told told him about you. So oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm always talking about Mike. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, it was it was a good evening, Michael, and I feel like uh, I'm very again very relaxed. Been uh, actually, you know, I started playing finally Uncharted the the, the collection. Oh. On my PS4, yeah, finally, I told you I was going to relax. And uh, indeed, I started playing the, the Nathan Drake collection, the first chapter. It looks... Uh, I didn't put this in, into the document, I actually forgot. Uh, it looks really nice on the PS4. You can tell it's a PS3 game. It's kind of like um, like The Last of Us Remastered. You can tell it's an old game, but they've done uh, you know, a pretty good job, I would say. Uh, th- the one thing that struck me immediately is... You remember I played the demo and I couldn't figure out like the controls and you know the story. Of course, the first game explains everything to you, so I already learned all you know the, the basic controls and stuff. But the 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 single aspect that really made a good impression on me is the acting. So actually, very good acting. Yeah. And and I find myself you know actually laughing at a couple of jokes that that were cracking on screen. It was really nice. I wasn't expecting this sort of you know. Uh, I, I mean, in retrospect, maybe it was obvious, you know, the same studio behind The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. But it's really, you know, the sarcasm and a uh, f- couple of funny jokes already. I played like a couple of hours, I think. Uh, it's really, really fun. So and you're playing number one right now. Number one, number yeah, one. As, yeah, as the season, as the series goes on, the, the the kind of movie feeling of it gets better and better. It's like, oh, nice. Just there are like little pieces in the game, like the actual gameplay that happened that are set up to look cinematic. Like, you know, like that, um, and it's kind of come to a head with Uncharted 4 when they showed that demo, right? Yeah. Driving through the yeah. town and everything looked alive. Yeah, un- un- yeah. As Uncharted gets further and further along its pass, uh, like its its course, it looks more and more like a movie. It It's brilliantly done. It's, you know, they, it's Naughty Dog, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, they're an incredible studio. Yeah. They really so I, I was... I was really surprised by the, the the movie-like feeling, and if you say that it gets better, then, you know, awesome. Uh, I, I'm going to keep playing, because it's the kind of action game that puts me puts me in a good mood, Michael. Uh, anyway, today we got a few links and a topic. Uh, everyone is talking about Black Friday deals, so it was a... Uh, uh, last week it was followed for this week it's Black Friday deals everyone is tweeting about Black Friday go to Amazon, go to the PSN to the eShop, everyone has a, has a, has a game discount and sale so you know you can, you can give developers your dollars if you want to buy some games but we're not going to talk about discounts Mike because I mean what do you want to talk about um, Chrono Trigger Michael uh, one of my favorite RPGs ever for the Super Nintendo, um, as you can imagine, someone has remade a part of the game with the Unreal Engine 4 of in course, 3D. Of 
course. <laughs> of we've, never, course. we've never seen this before. No, 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 no. Um, and it looks great, as you can expect. It kind of looks like the new Dragon Quest game. Uh, it's, you know, not the typical Unreal Engine color palette, maybe. You know, it's very colorful, very bright. Uh, I would die for this kind of remake, but it's never going to happen. And I wanted to tell you a little story of my encounter with Chrono Trigger. I owned the um, original SNES cartridge, not the full game with the box. Because when I started working after uh, dropping out of university, uh, I started saving a bit of money. And one of my initial ways to spend that money was to uh, spend hours and hours on eBay trying to find old SNES games and just buying them all, even if I didn't want to play them on an actual SNES. So I would buy the game and then install the SNES emulator, I think it was SNES 9X, on my modded PSP. <laughs> and uh, one of these games, uh, so I was looking through like the must-have SNES game lists, and I was like, okay, maybe I should buy Chrono Trigger. It's an RPG from Squaresoft back, you know, before uh, that it became Square Enix. And it's, if you know Akira Toriyama, the author of Dragon Ball, uh, the manga series, uh, is the same designer here. So you can tell that the characters are actually uh, based on, you know, the, the, the very famous Akira Toriyama style. And so I played the game on my PSP. Uh, with an emulator, and I spent something like 50 hours maybe into the game. I just loved it. And, of course, one of the peculiarities of this game is that you can travel back and forth in time, and there's a bunch of different um, paths paths that you can take in the story, and there's a... I don't remember how many uh, potential um, conclusions to the game. So there's different outcomes, depending on what you do in the past, the present, and the future. And it, it's, it's got the typical 16-bit style. It looks fantastic. I played it, of course, on my PSP via emulation, which meant that I could save at any time. And it kind of felt a little bit like cheating, you know. Uh, I played Super Metroid the same way, uh, with autosave, uh, which, you know, gives you the freedom to save, not necessarily when there's a checkpoint, but at any point. Uh, so maybe I played Chrono Trigger and Super Metroid in an easier way, but overall I still love those games. And Chrono Trigger is is available on almost every platform, I guess. You can buy a remake on the on the iOS App Store, which I don't recommend, you know, because the, I I recommend playing this game with a with a physical controller. Uh, you can buy it, I I think also on the on the Virtual Console, maybe. Uh, fantastic game. Uh, it's never going to happen in 3D. Uh, take a look at the screenshots at the Millennial Fair. Uh, Kotaku has a compilation of screenshots. There's also a video. Looks great, but it's never going to happen, which makes me sad. Uh, I spent a lot of money, Mike, on, on eBay for SNES game. At one point, I bought uh, an original Fire Emblem Japanese copy from a French dude on eBay, and I spent like 50 euros. I never actually opened the box. But inside, there's a there's a, a cloth map of the Fire Emblem world. It was a crazy purchase. I made many purchases like that on eBay. But you've still never opened it? Never. Never. Why? Uh, I don't know. I guess I don't want to lose the mint condition of the packaging. Is that important <laughs> to you? Uh, it used to be. Now I don't care. <laughs> but it's at my parents' place. Uh, you know? I don't know, Mike. I used to, I, I used to, to be young and stupid, and I didn't know what to do with my money. And I bought a lot of games, and a lot of like uh, mint condition boxes, and a lot of collector's editions versions. I'm you pretty know, sure I, I'm still like that. Y- you are? Yeah, young and stupid with my money. Yeah, maybe you, you not as stupid as I used to be, but you know, we have all our little desires and. I, I think I got better. I'm not spending, like, uh, at one point I was spending, like, 300 euros each month on this sort of crap. <laughs> Basically, it's not crap necessarily. It's great games. I just, you know, it was just, oh, what do I do with all this money? Let's buy collector's editions of all the SNES games, you know? <laughs> <laughs> not exactly. <laughs> not exactly the, the ideal adult setup. Anyway, uh, do you remember, speaking of old games, this one is actually a new game, but it's 
based on on the style of old games. Retro City Rampage. Uh, yeah, came but this out is on... one of those games that I have always been meaning to go back to. Yeah, me too. You know? Why didn't we go back to the game? I'm really bad at finishing games. Or like me even too. playing them these days for what feels like substantial amount of times. I feel like and uh, we we have talked on various occasions about this, but I feel like to to really get into a game, the story has to capture me. Like The Last of Us, I couldn't stop playing. Whereas all these other action or puzzle games, I buy them, I download them, and I stop playing like after three days. Because it's like, you know, uh, it's, it's a random, I don't know, pleasure, I guess. Whereas I really want to play is a story. And... I've always been that way, and this is one of those games. You know, it's a it's an old school GTA like game. Where basically, you go around town and you shoot and kill people and drive cars and steal stuff. Uh, it's getting a sequel uh, called Shakedown Hawaii, and it's set three years after the original. And it's uh, of course because it's the sequel and there's a time jump. There's also a jump in terms of the kind of style that he wants to copy. So the first game was based on the graphic style of the first NES. This one makes the jump to 16-bit graphics, so it looks like a like a Super Nintendo game, and it looks great. You know, it's got all the typical animations like explosions, sound effects, music of the uh, you know of the 90s era of the Super Nintendo. Uh, it looks nice. I don't know when it's coming out, but there's a trailer. Uh, I included a link to Tiny Cartridge. I first saw the post here. Um, I, I, again, I'm going to buy this game when it comes out. I'm probably not going to finish it, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to have my fun until I want to have fun with it. Um, now for something completely different, Mike. Have you ever considered playing GTA with a, with a hydraulic uh, setup? I hadn't until I watched this video. It's amazing, right? Yeah. It looks so, like it, you would feel horrible after playing Yes, it. yes. But I mean, in real life, you will feel horrible after doing the things you do in GTA. Yeah. Well, very- so this is kind of like a company... What is the name of the company? Force, Force Dynamics? Force Dynamics, yeah. They've they've kind of rigged GTA up to like one of those flight simulator, like the... the <laughs> you know when you go in those those like rooms or like kind of look like cars and it like it makes you feel like you're in a in a cockpit spaceship or something the whole thing moves around it's called a simulator but i can't think of a good actual easy way to describe it but they've effectively made their own one of these and rigged gta up to it and it looks crazy (laughs) so basically the guy sits on this moving chair (laughs) with a with a steering wheel and he drives cars, and he goes on a roller coaster, and he, he you know, he runs, uh, he runs over people, and there's like real haptic and moving feedback on this sort of chair uh, seat. Actually, it's it's like a seat of a car, and it's impressive because there, there's a screen in front of the guy in first person. Uh, he's playing GTA. And for, for example, when he goes on the roller coaster, uh, when, when he goes up, the seat, you know, uh, tilts backwards, and when he goes down, it just shoots forwards uh, with a with a quick motion. And there's, I, I'm guessing that it that it makes you feel kind of sick, you know. But he, he also says that it's weird because you move and you see. Uh, what happens on the screen, but you don't actually feel it, you know, because it's a simulation. So it's a weird cross of a of a sort of physical feeling without actually being in a car. <laughs> so I don't know, I don't know how it would make me feel. But the video is it's really something you know to watch. So again, there's a link in the show notes. Where, where are the show notes, Mike? They are on the internet at relay.fm/virtual/slash59. So if you feel like spending uh, some money today, uh, I can recommend you go check out this new product at uh, Fangamer. They made uh, a physical book called The Legends of Localizations. And it's a, it's a hardcover book explaining the differences between the Japanese and English versions of the first Legend of Zelda game for the NES 
it's it costs uh, $29 to 208 pages uh, it looks it looks amazing if you're into this kind of thing you know to know the differences between uh, Japanese and English version of an old Nintendo game and especially Zelda this game has screenshots explanations tips and tricks uh, all sorts of content from the original games uh, you can buy different versions of, of the book I think uh, definitely if you're into the Zelda series go go check it out it's available at fungamer.com um, last Mike this is something kind of interesting for us do you know remote play on the yeah. on the PlayStation 4? Yeah, so this is where you can pick up a Vita and if you both devices are connected to the internet or the same network, you can stream from the PlayStation 4 to the PS Vita. Mhm. And Sony uh said that they're working on a on a on a remote play app. Yeah, this for... actually came from a tweet by Shohei Yoshida. Yeah. Yeah, he just so tweeted, it's like, some people asked if we plan to provide remote play function to PC, and yes, we are indeed working on an official application for PC and Mac. So obviously the reason they're doing this is to compete against Microsoft, because the new uh, Windows 10 update yep. to the Xbox One allows people to play from any Windows device. But the benefit here is this is PC and Mac. And, you know, they t- I, I read this Verge article about it, and they said, like, imagine and imagine if they made an uh, an Android and iOS app. Yeah, that would be crazy. That would be that would be the knockout blow, right? That you could access yeah. your PlayStation Four from anywhere. Imagine PlayStation Four on the iPad Pro with an MFI controller. Oh, or even just use the Dual Shock. You know, you, can you pair the Dual Shock to the PlayStation though? You don't need to, uh, to the because iPad? you're you're playing. The Dual Shock connects to the PS Four. The PS Four streams to the. Oh, you mean when you're out of the house? Yeah. Uh, yeah, in that case, I don't know. <laughs> I guess they could make a version that kind of remaps the controls to the to an MIFI controller. Uh, but but I guess when you're when you're inside the house and say you want to play in the kitchen instead of going to the living room, uh, you can just use the DualShock and and the controls stream to the PS4 and the PS4 streams to the to the iPad's display. But when you're out and about and you want to access the PS4 remotely, so the DualShock cannot connect over cloud, you know, to the PS4. Yeah, they gotta they gotta figure out something with the MFI controllers. I think is the DualShock even Bluetooth? Yeah, it's because you can actually pair a DualShock four to a Mac to play Steam games. Well, then you can probably pair one to to an iOS device. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think they work yet, right? I mean, because the MFI stuff, doesn't it all have a specific, like, standard and things like that? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it would be... Uh, I, I would be okay, <laughs> even if it, if it's just local streaming, uh, because many, many times I'm on the couch and I don't want to go to my bedroom to play with my PS4. So I, I would be really happy even with just local support. Uh, but let's not, you know, get ahead of ourselves. They just said PC and Mac. So, uh, it's it's nice. I think I hope it it'll come eventually. Also, because my Mac cannot play any actual games, uh, so you know streaming would be fine with my old and ailing MacBook Air. Um, <laughs> yeah, poor guy. Uh, you know, Sony is is doing really well with the PS4. They announced a few days ago thirty million units sold. I don't know. Has Microsoft even said how many Xbox ones they they have sold? Not that I can recall recently. Yeah, yeah. So the PS4, even when I go to 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 the mall or to any GameStop or other video game shop, even the perception is that it's PS4 everywhere. Like I see shelves like double the space of a, of a, of the Xbox One, and there's kids always, uh, you know, gathering around. PS4 demo units to play the latest Assassin's Creed game or Call of Duty. Uh, it's it, the, at least what I see here, uh, and at least in Rome. But I think it's pretty much you know uh, a wide uh, perception is that the PS4 is doing much much better than the Xbox One. And uh, this is this is not to say that the Xbox is not a good console, but it's just you know the PS4 is selling more, and you know people are talking about it more. And I see it more often than the Xbox. 
Uh, it kind of makes me happy about my decision to wait and see and to eventually get a PS4. Uh, do you, Mike, you, you own all of the three consoles? Yeah, I own them all. I think you play most on the PS4, though. Yeah, right? pretty much exclusively. Mm. So what do you... How long since you played with the Xbox One? Oh, a long time. Oh, a, yeah? A, a long time. I think maybe the last game I played on the Xbox was Sunset Overdrive. Wow, that's like a year ago? <laughs> yeah, there haven't been any like um, platform exclusives that have interested me. So like, if something's cross-platform, I always buy it on the PlayStation just because I prefer the experience and personally I prefer the controller. I'm interested to, to to see if I can just try one of these Elite controllers, you know, the Xbox yeah. Elite controller. Um, I am, I don't regret the Xbox purchase because I know that in this console uh, generation, there's going to be games that I want to play that are only on that console, like Cuphead. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and I'm confident that there's going to be enough of it. But, you know, I mean, if I was probably going to regret one of them... I'm, it probably would be the Xbox out of the three that I own, but right now I don't because I'm still confident that Microsoft will have some some specific console exclusives that are exciting to me. But currently, the console exclusives on obviously Nintendo and PlayStation are more exciting to me. Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah, yeah. I can. I can. I can. I understand that, Mike. Um, I'm really happy with my PS4 and. Lately, I haven't been playing on the Wii U at all. Uh, so I either play on the PS4 or on the iPad Pro. I don't play much on the iPhone because I don't like that uh, games basically destroy my battery life <laughs> on the iPhone. Uh, for some reason, I just feel more comfortable playing iOS games on the iPad. Probably also be- you know, because it's bigger. Uh, anyway, I hope uh, that Sony does this remote play app for OS X, but I would be thrilled see an iOS version it would just be awesome uh, we'll see, we'll see Mike and uh, that's about it for the links uh, this week Mike, for this uh, Thanksgiving special, uh, that's all the links that I have <laughs> we're going Thanksgiving special now, is that the thing? yeah, yeah, yeah Alright, let me take a break. We've got a couple other things we want to chat about today. This week's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. You can start building your own website today by going to squarespace.com and using the offer code insertcoin at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. With Squarespace, you'll be able to build a site that looks professionally designed regardless of your skill level. No coding experience required. So what this means is you can sign up for a trial, which I'll tell you about in a moment, and you can go in and you can play around and you can choose one of their beautiful themes, which will fit to responsive web design so it can look great everywhere and then you can drag and drop the elements around the page right you want to put uh, some text here you want to put some pictures here maybe you want to put a map here to direct people to your business they have fantastic templates with a ton of different integrations that you can pull in squarespace really is the easiest way for, for people like me to build websites right like I don't know how to do any coding stuff, so I would be lost trying to do anything else. And even people that do, people that know how to build websites, I know many of my friends that use Squarespace just because they they make it easier, right? Like, I, you know, people that know how to do this stuff, they can just go to Squarespace and everything's done for them. All the hosting's done and it's taken care of. They have support, right, in case you ever get stuck with anything. If you're building something on your own, who's going to support you? Nobody. But Squarespace have 24-7 support. They have live chat and email. And then they have all their fun of like fantastic other stuff like the commerce platform like we have a store at relay fm which is powered by squarespace they have just great hosting so squarespace sites they just don't go down they, they're just rock solid no matter how popular your site might get and also for people that do know what to do and they maybe want to make some tweaks here and there they have their dev platform so you can go in go in under the hood and make some tweaks here and there to your squarespace site it is very very powerful and very very simple which is a killer combination if you want to sign up for a year as well, they give you a free domain name and their plans start at just $8 a month. You can start a free trial today with no credit card needed and start building your own website straight away by going to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, make sure that you use the offer code insertcoin at checkout. That's all one word. You'll get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for this show. Thank you so much to Squarespace for sponsoring this week's episode of Virtual Squarespace. Build it beautiful. So, Mike, I read this article on, on The Guardian uh, a few weeks ago, and 
It, it was an interesting one. It's uh, written by Keith Stewart. And it's about the nostalgia effect of uh, retro consoles and old video games. And the the starting point for the article is sales of a... Of a and actually, we talked about this a few months ago. Uh, of a modern Sega Mega Drive emulator console. One of those that, you know comes with a, with a selection of games built in and you can buy for like 40 pounds. Um, we talked about these or at least one of these consoles uh, for the Brazilian market uh, a few months ago. And it appears that now sales for these uh, Sega Mega Drive emulator are booming in Europe and you know many other countries. It comes with 80 built-in games and the author of, uh, of the article says that Sales are have risen by four hundred percent this month, which is crazy. And he argues that this holiday season, while some people are gonna enjoy, you know, the latest technologies and features of PS4 and Xbox One and Wii U, a lot of people are gonna play games for from twenty years ago on a modern cheap console that plays Sega Mega Drive games, and that's an interesting contrast i feel like you know there's part of uh, the the gaming community you know hardcore gamers playing on you know call of duty gta you name it one of the latest games fallout 4 of course um and then there's this whole bunch of people many many people who don't care about you know what's new on ps4 what's what version of fallout 4 is better the one on playstation 4 or xbox it's just people who go to the mall, to the supermarket, they find this cheap console, it's like 40 pounds. It's like, okay, whatever, it's got 80 games. And oh, look, it's got Sonic. I remember Sonic from when I was a teenager. And and so it's not it's not like a, like a niche phenomenon anymore. It's, it's a lot of people bla- buying these consoles. And I remember when I was young, when I was uh, probably six or seven, um, my, I, we talked about this, you know, the Polystation... Uh, the fake PlayStation that my dad bought me before getting me a real PlayStation, and I was really bummed because it was a it was a, basically a, a, a cheap uh, Super Nintendo in in that was slightly reminiscent of a, the the look of a PlayStation, and it got all these fake Super Nintendo games inside, like a fake Super Mario Bros. or a fake Zelda. Uh, anyway, it this this you know this thing of buying this. <laughs> consoles with uh, 80 or 100 games built in. It's not new. But the point of the article is this trend is kind of coming back and it says that this is not about you know relieving memories anymore, he says. It's about getting access to these valid game experiences from the 16-bit era, which unlike, you know, the first consoles, the the first Atari or the Commodore, or even the NES, which, you know, the the games both graphically and from a gameplay perspective were kind of lacking. Uh, These games, the Super Nintendo ones, the Mega Drive ones, these are not modern games, but they're not maybe as unplayable as some really old games. So they're kind of in between, you know? It's, It's... they are the games made by developers who were kind of in the middle between, you know, the transition between the 2D era, so the, 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 the very first video games, and the jump to 3D. So this is when game developers had mastered the 2D graphics and mechanics. So he says, this is, there's, there is a nostalgic component in, in playing these games on these consoles, and even emulation in general, but he thinks that you know, for for a good portion of players, uh, it's more about being able to play these old games again. Not because there's nostalgia, but because those are good games, and you cannot find those games anywhere else today. Um, and he also notes that maybe in the in the modern era, like the the indie revival of old graphics, you know, the pixelated graphics, uh, it kind of contributed to. Uh, to kind of reignite sort of, you know, the old-school fire of uh, 16-bit graphics, games that look like Super Nintendo games. And I kind of wanted to talk to you about this, Mike, 
And what do we think about playing old video games? If we if we do play any of them, you know, on a regular basis, and if we do, why do we do it? So, I, I let me ask you, Mike: Do you consider yourself a, a retro gamer at all? I was struggling with this question because, I mean, we definitely do play older games every now and then, right? Mm-hmm. Um. But I don't know why I play them. I can't completely understand. Like, I can't put my finger on, like, what is it that makes me play these these types of uh, these types of games? And I wonder, like, is it nostalgia? Like, they're really great. Like, I love Super Mario, uh, Super Mario Land 3. Or is it Super Mario World 3? Super Mario World 3, right? The one with the Tanuki suit, you know? Super the, Mario Bros. Bros. Brothers, that's it. So confusing. Super Mario Bros. 3 on the SNES, right? Love that game. And I've gone back and played it, and it's good. But is it better than Super Mario 3D Land? This is going to sound like heresy to (laughs) some Nintendo fans. Is Mario Kart better than Mario Kart 8? No, uh, Mario Kart, I would say no. Yeah. I mean, they're really good for their time, and, and they do things that are really interesting, right? But... I don't know if these games are necessarily good by today's standards or do we put a lot of nostalgia on them. I can't work it out. I mean, there are some of them that just flat out are, right? Like Pac-Man is good. Tetris is good. The old Mario stuff is really good. But I I struggle to try and reconcile, like, are they, are they good by today's standards mm. or do we give them a bit of a pass as well? Do, do you think we're looking at some old games with uh, rose-colored glasses? Of course, yep. Mm. Yeah, it could be. I mean, definitely, you know, games like Mario Kart, I tried to play the original one, and it's just no contest with the latest one. Even Mario Kart, you know, 7 on the on the DS, it's just, you know, it got so better through the years. It's like, you can play the original GTA, you know, the one in 2D with the top-down perspective, but you compare that to GTA 5 on a PlayStation 4, it's just, there's no way it's, you know, the game is better, the, the, the original version is better than, than, the, than the latest one. So I think for, we gotta probably understand what makes a game a, a evergreen game and what other games kind of suffer from the passing of time. I think there's a bit of a cutoff, right? So... For example, some of the Sega stuff, some of the SNES stuff, they're so simple that they're fun in their, because they're simple, right? So the things that are bad about them are kind of overlooked. But like a game from the PlayStation era, right? So when it started to get into 3D graphics, mm-hmm. I think that those games suffer more. Yeah. Yeah, because when you... Especially, you know, the at the beginning of realistic graphics... Um, a lot of developers, I, I feel like, kind of abandoned the trying to make a game look artistically good. And instead, they just trying to use polygons and textures as much as possible to achieve a movie-like quality. But of course, 20 years later, it just looks terrible. And maybe games like, uh, you know, Final Fantasy Tactics, for example, or any old Mario game on the on the from Super Mario Bros. 3, I guess... Uh, they still look decent. Actually, in many cases, they still look beautiful, like Yoshi's Island, you know? Because it's it doesn't try to recreate a reality that got better through the years. There's only so many ways you can make 2D graphics, you know? And when you get 2D graphics to look great, they're still going to look great in 20 years because, I mean, you're not trying to emulate reality. You're trying to reconstruct reality. And that, I feel, is a little more timeless than, you know, the original Tomb Raider on on PS1. But even that, you know, doesn't quite make for uh, a general conclusion. Because, you know, 2D games like Mario Kart 8, like the first GTA, uh, I mean, the original Mario Kart, not Mario Kart 8, all 2D games are not necessarily better than the old versions. So... I don't know, it kind of depends from game to game, you know. Uh, Even myself, I can play the Super Metroid on Super Nintendo and it looks amazing and it plays amazing. I cannot play um, 
the original Metroid on the NES or Metroid 2, I think, on the Game Boy because it just looks awful to me and it doesn't play as well as it Super Metroid plays. And, you know, uh, for me, maybe personally, there's a, a problem with graphics at some point. I, I haven't, I've never been the kind of gamer who doesn't buy a game because it doesn't look good. I couldn't care less about graphics. But there's something about, you know, 8-bit, like the very first consoles, that kind of makes a game unplayable to my eyes. I don't know what it is. It could be that I grew up with the Super Nintendo. And therefore, when I had to go back to an old game, my combination of nostalgia and personal memories and just force of habit kind of makes me more comfortable with the Super Nintendo instead of the NES. Uh, But I try to play, you know... uh, Big 20 emulators, Commodore 64 emulators, Amiga, uh, I don't remember the number, emulators. Uh, it just look terrible to me. And the Super Nintendo, the Mega Drive, they still look fantastic to my eyes. But it depends, you know, from game to game. And this applies even to modern uh, emulation. So I bought the uh, Metroid Prime Trilogy on the Virtual Console for the Wii U. Those are Wii games and GameCube games. And... I loved the game. I love Metroid Prime. But I think I loved Metroid Prime on a GameCube on a non-HD TV, you know? Because when I played the trilogy in upscaled mode, in emulation mode on my Wii U on a on a on a HD television set, it it looks worse. It's still a fantastic game, but it looks worse and Maybe I'm like, okay, maybe I should really play this game on the original console. And would I exchange, uh, you know, not having a Metroid game anymore with having an emulation mod? Of course, I want to get emulation as much as possible. But it's just sometimes my memory plays tricks on me. And I'm convinced that a game is still perfectly playable and still looks great. But in fact, it doesn't. And so I really don't know what is it that makes me... I, I was thinking about, you know, all the, this article and all this topic, and it's a very big topic, right? Uh, but I asked myself, do I play old games? And I feel like the honest answer is not as much as I used to do, you know, when I was younger. Again, there are many essences here as to why this is happening. Uh, you know, I used to mod my PSP just to install emulators. I even modded a PSP Go uh, three, four years ago just to play Taxi- Tactics Augur. Uh, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a Final Fantasy Tactics-like game. I used to do... I used to play more old games. And I don't know why, but I feel, I, I feel like it... It's gotta be something really special for me to 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 play it again today. So when I see the article of there's people buying these new new consoles with games built in, is it really because those people have an appreciation for old games, or is it just because they don't want to spend the money and it's cheap and it's got a bunch of games and if you're five or four you're not going to care about, you know, polygons. You just want to play something with the TV. I don't know if these people mentioned in the article actually are, you know, uh, old video game experts trying to, you know, to to relieve old games because they are valid. I feel like a lot of those people are actually kind of buying those consoles because they're cheap and they don't care about the validity of a game. Well, I um, think it's it's... Forty pounds for eighty games that have, and maybe like twenty five percent of them are actually fun to play, but like that's yeah. a good deal, right? That's a good deal. But you... I can't work out how this is happening. Like, it's not Sega selling this thing. I'm very no. confused about the legality of it. Oh, me too. But me it too, obviously Mark. is fine because the company selling it that they're talking about selling it, Argos, is a massive retailer in the UK. So this hmm. must be above board, but I'm very confused about it. There must be some kind of deal that allows the Sega CPU to be emulated and resold. I mean, what's the what's the legality of uh, what's the name of the the the, the uh, Super Nintendo 
uh, retro console, the Retro N5. Have you ever seen that one? It doesn't ring a bell. Uh, it's one of those modern takes on the old Nintendo consoles. There's a couple of those. I don't remember the names. I think Retro M5 is a name that sounds familiar to me. But still, you know, in those cases, those are premium consoles that try to emulate uh, the old Super Nintendo as closely as feasible to, you know, the original console and games. I don't know if these consoles sold at the mall are meant for this kind of experience. But then again, the bigger problem here is I feel like it's getting harder for me to get into old games. And even with the virtual console, with the PS classics, it's easier than ever to play these games. But I feel like I I did that when I was... 16 and 10 years later I just don't have not just the time but maybe the patience or and, and it's not even a problem of money it's just a, a matter of patience and and maybe taste not that those games aren't good but that you know I just got used to play new stuff it's harder to get back into the old stuff and there is an interesting contrast here at least for me because in terms of music i still listen to you know i would say old music at this point because you know oasis and you know stuff from the 80s and the early 90s it's old music at this point i still listen to old music as much as i can and i listen to new stuff of course i listen to a lot of music so for music my taste has kind of stayed the same but for video games, I find it harder and harder to justify spending my time with an old game. I don't know. There's there's a couple of games I could always play. This is like therapy right now. I'm just... I'm just letting you go, man. Thank you. We can, we'll get through this together. I'm just trying to understand myself as I speak. Uh, this is great. Uh, so there's a couple of games that I could play over and over. So Final Fantasy Tactics... Uh, Final Fantasy VII, it looks terrible. I still could play the game. Um, the Super Mario World and Yoshi's Island, you know, Super Metroid. Some games, maybe maybe this is the problem. At least for me, some games are forever. And others are kind of there and I don't care. See? I mean, there's a, maybe there's a nevergreen threshold in my mind. And there's some games that stand the test of time forever and they don't feel like, oh man, I gotta play an old game. It's like, oh yes, I want to play this eternal classic, which is always awesome. And other games, like, you come to me and say, hey, you wanna play the original Mario Kart with me? Like, oh man, that game is really terrible. (laughs) Yeah, I tried it quite recently. Yeah. It's not good, Mike. It it was good, but it's not anymore. (laughs) Uh, It was great. It's not anymore. Yeah. So I feel like when when talking about, you know, emulation and pl- playing the classics and, and spending money to buy those games again, there's a, I mean, we are all different. And there's people who like to collect all sorts of old games. There's people who like to play them for five minutes and they're okay with them. And there's people who only play old games because they believe that old games are always better than new ones. But I feel like in each one of us, as, as gamers, we all of us have a, a level of what's old and amazing still, and what's old and kind of meh, you know? And it depends, it varies from person to person, and maybe that depends on the memories that you have, your taste in terms of graphics, game design. There's many variables, and I feel like there's no single explanation it's not because you know those games are valid it doesn't apply to every game that we're talking about here i think you make your own classics in many ways you know it depends on what you grew up with it depends on your taste it depends on your preference in games and maybe if you're if you're a gta person you like to play the old one because you can see the evolution or maybe you just hate the original because it's so old. There's no... You know, it's difficult to to kind of review and reassess old games today. Because inevitably, 
those games are going to be limited and compared to PlayStation 4 and, you know, modern consoles. But you, you as a gamer will find your own love for an old game and there's no article, there's no single review that can tell you this old game is worth playing and this old one is not. I mean, some games are terrible, sure, but even even there's even good games that were great at the time, they're not as great anymore. So, again, uh, it depends on what you like, I think. At least for me, uh, there's some games that I love. Other games were great, you know, back then, 20 years ago. Today, I just can't stand them. And maybe in some video game circles, this is, you know, it sounds like I'm a stupid person talking about retro games. But let me tell you, I spent a lot of my afternoons back then modding consoles and, you know, installing emulations. And I mean, I finished, for God's sake, I finished Super Metroid uh, when my mom was buying, you know, I think an aspirin at the pharmacy. You know, I was just standing in line and finishing Super Metroid on my PSP with the SNES 9X. I played a lot of old games. Growing up, the selection of old games I can play today, it's a very limited one. And even with the modern tools, you know, Virtual Console, eShop, PSN Classics, whatever, it doesn't doesn't matter how easier it got to play them again, I have very limited and specific taste. And... I don't know. I guess I struggled to accept this, you know, because I, I've i always seen myself as the kind of guy, oh, you know, I love old video games, all of them. It's just not true anymore. Uh, I don't know, Mike. I feel like uh, I feel much better now that I got this off my chest. Good. <laughs> I want to tell you something that's making me feel a lot better. Okay. Goat Simulator. Okay, so I'm talking all, you know, poetic and, and nostalgic and, and I'm opening up to you uh, about old video games and, and my past, you know, how I spent my money when I was younger. And all you want to do is talk about goats. Pretty much. Okay. Have you played Goat Simulator? <laughs> no, I've seen the videos on the screenshots. Yeah, I told you to play it. You should, you should pay attention to me. This game... Okay, I will play the game. It is amazing. So you control a goat. Yeah, you are a goat, right? Running around an environment, basically. That's kind of you. And there are two kind of environments that you run around in and you just do stuff. It's just a sandbox and you can... There are like little things that you can interact with in the world um, and you can collect these little trophies and these little trophies, the more you collected them, you, you unlock different types of goats that you can change into, so like with different abilities. But it gets really weird really fast. So like for example, uh, there is one goat called Giant Goat, but Giant Goat, when you select Giant Goat, you turn into a life-size in that world blue whale. <laughs> that can't do anything because you're on ground. So, like, part of this game, part of the fun in this game is finding ways to break it. So, like, mm. for example, I went into a small area, like an underground tunnel area, which wasn't very big, and then changed to Giant Goat, and I just broke all of the environment. What do you mean you broke it? So, when you turn into the whale, the camera has to zoom out, right? So mm-hmm. you can see the whale as it's massive. And I was in this underground sewer and I turned into the whale and the, the it zooms out and all it's got is just this T-shape of the sewer and then just blank sky around it. Because <laughs> I've broken the game, right? Like it's, It hasn't got anything to draw, so it just shows empty background. Amazing. And then, But the game is really good at understanding when it's broken and it will reset you. Mm. Because this game is like full of glitches. Like, some, you will very frequently get, like, your head stuck in a wall. So the glitch is the game. It's kind of, that's part of what it's about. <laughs> so it's just so broken, and from a conventional game perspective, crappy. Mm. It works really, really well for that. It You don't really do anything either, which is kind of, is kind of refreshing in a way. <laughs> Because like uh, I just I, I grab the, the Nimbus controller, I open Goat Simulator, right? Mm. And then I just run around for ten minutes 
um, jumping onto roofs and trying to find little trophies. And then I stop, and then I'm done, and I'm like finished for the day. <laughs> this game sounds amazing, Mike. I in, am enjoying it a lot. Okay, I'm I'm gonna buy Goat Simulator right now, and I'm gonna play on the iPad. Okay. Yeah, because that, that's what I'm doing. Okay, on the iPad. Cool. I will, I will report back to you, Mike. Uh, in t- in two weeks, oh, we're gonna we're gonna be. Available again to our listeners. I think. Yeah, yeah, we'll be back in two weeks. But I, I, I would like just I would like you to play this because I just want to know what you think about it. Like, it's it's madness. It's really buggy and it's kind of beautiful. Okay. Uh, like, uh, for example, there is a one level that has water, right? And the goat reacts with water like a jet ski. Like you can bounce off the water. like it doesn't make any sense it's yeah it's really good okay and Uh, also today i gave in and i bought destiny okay explain this to me mike how do you how how does one get started with destiny i feel like there's so much knowledge and and out there yeah and so many expansions and changes like how do you even it's like i want to get started i don't know discovering every single species in the world today how do you even do it I'll let you know in a couple of weeks. I bought okay. it today. It will be here within the next few days. Like I went on, I went on. I was playing my PlayStation today. I just went to the store. I was playing a bit of Battlefront, and I just went to the PSN store to see what the deals were. And they had um, the current like expansion game, like Taken King, which has like the standard game, two expansions, and then this other mm. expansion, like three expansions, I think in total. And it was like thirty five, thirty five pounds down from seventy. And I was like. That seems fine. So I went on to it. It was like 18 gigabytes. I was like, I'm not downloading that. So I went to Amazon and got it for 25 pounds. Hmm. So, I mean, I'm willing to try it. And it's basically just listening to John Syracuse talk about this game so much. And so I'm like, uh, I'm going to, I want to give it a go. It's a first person shooter, right? I believe it's first person, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Uh, yeah, please let me know because I, I really I feel like I really don't understand Destiny. Like, what's mm-hmm. the deal with Destiny? So it's uh, I'm I'm curious, Mike. That's why I've got it right. It's it's the decent price that I paid for it for the amount of game that's there. Twenty five pounds is is not expensive. So I'm I'm willing to give it a go because people that I trust love this game. Um, so I I want to see what it's all about. Cool. All right. So I'll keep you updated. Thank you. If you want to catch our show notes for this week, head on over to relay.fm slash virtual slash 59. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. If you want to find Federico online, he is at Vitici, and I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Until then, say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci. <laughs>